We talk about the impacts of flood and how much that costs and that sort of stuff, but the real cost of drought, and that's a constant, non-stop impact on families. Yeah, you can't fathom what they're going through sometimes. But for us to be cut off and our roads flooded and all the rest of it, that's nothing we get worried about. When we lose all our cattle and we've had impacts like that, that's what made the monsoon so different, is the devastation of cleaning up over 2,000 heads of cattle. I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator of the Community Information Centre in Townsville, and we're back in Winton talking to Community Development Officer Melissa Doyle for this episode of Brave. Given the tight-knit nature of Winton, Melissa's role sees her as a central point of contact and support. She talks us through what this looks like normally and what this meant over the last few years through flood, drought and pandemic. The Community Information Centre acknowledges and pays respects to the Koa, Woolgarugaba and Bindul people, the traditional owners of the lands where this podcast was recorded and produced. Melissa, thank you for joining me. No problem. Your role at the council is the community development officer. That's right. What does that look like in council and in the community here in Winton? What do you do? My role began straight after the monsoonal event of 2019. Uh, I came on as the community development recovery officer. Uh, So my role in that aspect was to go through the recovery processes, uh, bring everybody back together make sure that we're all back to business as usual and help those ones along that were struggling um, to keep pushing forward and build resilience. Were you in this community prior to the floods? Yes. uh, I was the youth officer here for Winton Shire Council during the floods. And how long have you been in Winton for? This is 11 years. My husband's a born and bred local, so there's no getting away. And you love it, obviously? I love it. I do. I love the Winton community and that's what makes this job so awesome is that I am passionate about the community and everybody in it. It's great. And uh, what's your background? I was a workplace health and safety officer for Transport and Main Roads Department, so a big difference. You but weren't very liked then, obviously. Yeah, no. <laughs> you were, so that, this you were is that person. That person, definitely, you know, but I really enjoy this role. So through the monsoon event here in Winton in 2019, your role would have been absolutely pivotal in supporting small businesses, um, your cattle farmers and the community as a whole. Talk me through where you started and how did you know where to start? The team down here at the Neighbourhood Centre are all made up of family support officers, youth officers. We've got a community um, individual support officer Um, And we all came together to support the stranded truckies that we had in town. So we had probably about 70 to 80 truckies stranded at that time with the roads closed. 70. Yes. 7-0. Accommodation full um, at that time and no sign of when those roads, which were pretty damaged by the floods, to open. So we all came together and I remember back then we had a, a small budget that we didn't even use because the community was so compassionate about looking after these stranded truckers rather than the drama that was unfolding as the days went on that we had slow cookers lined up at the door every morning to feed these fellas and the tourists and everything in town. Like the community is amazing. It was really, really good to be part of it. Um, So it was really easy to push through the coming weeks and as everything unfolded, and the devastation came to light. Um, we're not phased by floods. 
like there's talk of floods coming again and, and we are we are not worried about a good wet season. Monsoon's pushing the limits a little bit, but a flood that's comes in and it doesn't take our cattle and it's nice and, and we can manage it. Yeah, no, farmers look forward to it. That's mm. our that's our thing. But you know, mm. we talk about the impacts of flood and how much that costs and that sort of stuff, but the real cost of drought and the livelihood and that's a constant non-stop um, impact on families sometimes is just, yeah, you can't fathom what they're going through sometimes. But for us to be cut off and our roads flooded and all the rest of it, that's nothing we get worried about. Um, when we lose all our cattle and we've had impacts like that, that's what made the monsoon so different is the devastation of cleaning up over 2,000 heads of cattle. It impacted us just as bad uh, emotionally um, but to see how resilient and strong this community is was the most amazing thing to ever experience. Mm. So with your support, what avenues of support did you have for your cattle farmers, homeowners and, and businesses? So we had the Department of Communities, we had the Department of Agricultural Fisheries here. We had lots and lots of services and support rock up here in Winton when they could get here. Um, we work with a disaster recovery officer, Craig Neindorf, who does the region. He was over here amongst it all. And everyone just worked to a rhythm. When you were ready for a certain service, whether that be mental health support, Red Cross, all those sort of things, they were available. Uh, whether it was virtually, on the ground, um, that was all here. Mm. We've picked up very quickly that this community is very resilient and, and the people in it are very, very tough. Mm. Did they come forward for support at the beginning or did it take a while to encourage people to come forward for supports around mental health, financial support, government grants and everything else? This team here at the Neighbourhood Centre sat on the phones and we contacted every single one of our graziers and we assisted them to sign up for financial support. So whatever was available, we were contacting every single person that lives in this shire that was eligible and signing them up to get that process in place. Everybody in town here though, although impacted, were more concerned with helping somebody else that they thought was less fortunate. I think it was a distraction that they were looking for, but there were more people looking to help everybody else than them coming forward themselves looking for anything, um, which was great for us because as they were coming in looking to help other people, we were helping them and offering all the services that we had set up here. We had a deep freezer full of meals. You know, there was no burden on the grazier um, that we couldn't help them with um, in that moment. It was great. We hear it so many times. There's people worse off than me. Help someone else. And and we heard it a lot in Townsville as well. But um, we had to really drive that message that, yep, there may be someone worse off than you, but right now I'm talking to you and right now I'm here for you. What can we do? And it, two years, two and a half years on, we found some of those people now were coming forward and saying, okay, now I'll have help. Do you have that out here? We definitely do and that's why all our community engagement now is based around mental health and wellbeing. We want to remove that stigma. We want to remove that attitude that you're not weak. You need to come forward. It's just like having a broken leg, a headache. You would come and, and seek some guidance or help with that sort of stuff. 
We're looking to do community events out on properties. We did um, yeah. Are You Bogged, Mate, out at Kamara as you come into town out here. They've got a great big shearing shed out there and we just set up the event in there and it was the most amazing thing because men don't want to be out in the main street here um, seen to be attending a mental health, you know, are yeah. you okay? They'll come and have a burger, they'll eat, but the moment you start talking, yeah, we got to get back to work, we're, we're gardening, we're doing whatever. But it was amazing when we held it out of town the amount of people we'd never seen before come out. And that's what all our community engagement and our social connectedness is based around, that we reiterate that message, we're here, come down and have a cuppa, we'll make you a sandwich. And those conversations are always happening here. And it's great to see that two and a half years on, we have people calling in and having a cuppa, checking in on us, we're checking in on them. If we don't see people, we reach out and say, just checking in. We haven't seen you at some of our events. How are you going and what's going on? Um, and we're small enough to do that, which mm. is really, really great. I spoke to one of your counsellors this morning who um, wanted to make sure that your, you and your staff were highlighted because the role that you played in recovery was absolutely pivotal for this community. She said to me, you know, they were the guys looking out for everybody. And she said, who checked in on them to make sure they were okay? And so how did that look for you guys um, in that moment? I think we, we're just like one big family and I think we are just such a great team that we do ask those questions. If we're delivering programs and creating that space for the community, we take it up ourselves. It's a question that we ask and it's an attitude that we demonstrate all the time. Um, and I think that's why we're lucky and that's why we're such a force to be reckoned with that we do look after each other, we do take time to stop, have lunch together, talk about those hard issues, how we're going in our family life and all the rest of it. And I think that's what makes us a strong, powerful team to keep doing what we're doing, building that resilience and getting ready for the next whatever is around the corner. So it's been really, really good. I agree. Um, myself working in community engagement and development in that space because you are dealing with so much trauma sometimes and, and so many hardships that you really do learn to compartmentalise it and know how to look after yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Do you and agree? I do agree. And we're lucky enough that we work hand in hand with a lot of um, mental health and wellbeing service providers. So we create programs with them and we get access to those people as well, which will workshop with us um, and keep us on our toes with our mental health and wellbeing too, because we're no good to anybody if we're not looking after ourselves as well. Um, so we've got Outback Futures, Royal Flying Doctors. They're all great mates. They're part of our family. And we sit back like we've just come out of the couch here this morning where we've had a great chat and we're motivated now what we're doing next year, how we're going to do it better. And that's what keeps you going. I think that passion and that drive is always fed with everything you're doing and creating, which makes it a really, really good atmosphere and environment to be working in. Yeah. You touched on mental health and talking about mental health and the stigma around it. I was talking to Caroline this morning as well and she said that the breakfast morning tea that was held this morning for Mental Health Awareness Week um, has been going for about seven years. Yes, that's right. And she said seven years ago when that started, you'd get one or two people show up um, but a lot drive past. But over the years, um, using the word mental health and talking about it in everyday language is now helping, She, in her eyes, she felt, and um, people are now stopping and, and being a part of that event, which showcases how important it is to be using the language in everyday 
um, communication. Do you think that's improved out here in the regional towns? I think definitely we have seen a vast improvement um, with people engaging more and taking the time to just be open and honest. And it's more about your well-being. It doesn't even have to be about mental health or anything. It's just how you're going. Yeah, everyone's struggling about different things. It's not even about the flood. There could be something else going on. But I think the more relaxed and the more conversations and the more comfortable we make people to just stop and breathe and take the time, we're on the right path. I think we're, it's that social connectedness is more important than anything um, around COVID off the back of floods. I think if we just maintain that social connectedness, well-being and your mental health will just follow along with that as well if we keep those resources and everything in our town. Mm. Because while we've come a long way, there's still a long way to go. Definitely. And we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what's going to be happening um, anytime soon, especially around COVID and that new environment that we've all got to get used to. Um, They're all adjustments. And as long as we've got that resilience there, nothing will hold us back. Yeah. I would think that COVID really you really struggled with the COVID out here and the COVID changes because when you look around, you can social distance here, no problems at all. That's there it. is <laughs> land for like miles and miles. So in a community out here where people rally around and support each other and everyone's known to everyone and you're a small town, but all of a sudden you're being told to social distance, keep apart, but yet COVID hasn't been seen in your community. How do you make those changes in a community when it's what's happening in the cities is not happening out here? I think we're still exposed to, we still see the news, we still see what's going on and I think that makes us very thankful of the environment that we, we live in and we are very guarded, like we've had the biggest tourism season we've ever seen um, off the back of COVID and we've been lucky in that respect that people have still come out this way and you see people in the, wearing their masks and they are social distancing. And we take that on and take it very seriously too because the last thing we want to do is be locked down when we rely on that social connectedness. Um, when COVID first hit here, that was our biggest scare is that people weren't coming together. Even us as a community centre, it was different. It was something that we thought, wow, if this was the way of the world, what are we, how do we do this? So we've got our radio station going, we've got our big screens going. So we're live streaming and we're touching base with everybody that can't come out because they're, you know. I can imagine in a community like this, that would have been really hard too. It was, yeah, definitely. And you've really got to be creative on how you keep doing what you're doing in those changed environment. Yeah, it was yeah. a challenge, but yeah, it's yeah. good. How quickly did your team have to pivot with, did you have to work remotely from home or get set up to be able to keep in contact with your clients still? We were lucky that we were essential workers here. We worked from the centre here. Um, We just had our door locked, but we were reaching out to the ones that we know are vulnerable um, and we maintained those close relationships our aged care unit would still be doing the one-on-ones because we've got a lot of um, elderly that live independently. Um, So we maintained those relationships and it sort of helped us in a way to identify those gaps of where that social connectedness and that relationship was falling down with COVID. So we quickly filled them. 
So it was a great big lesson like the rest of the country with Zoom um, and we went online with all our youth programs. So all the kids at home on vacation were coming into our Zoom room and doing activities, arts and craft. We would just send out the kits and drop them at the front of the houses. They would go out and get their kits and then we'd all meet online at a certain time and kids were still doing the same activities but in the comfort of their own home. So it was a novelty. And that would have been a novelty, yeah. Yeah, and and I think we had more kids coming and, and um, coming in our vacation program because of the novelty. So it was really, really good. It was a fun – it was actually a fun experience. Um, the Winton Shire Council also plays a role for the childcare centre here, I yes. understand. What yes. does um, – how does that work? Uh, we have a childcare centre uh, with some great staff over there and that's just a very used – facility and service and it's great that the council does deliver that service. It's a very um, important part of the community actually. That's really tricky to get an early education teacher out here. How did you do that? A lot of lobbying and um, we've got great locals who are doing teaching and come back here. We've had some uh, placements from uni and we win them over. We have an ICPA, um, ICPA, which is the Isolated Children's Parents Association, that actually donate $500 to any teacher that takes a placement here at our local schools to encourage them to come back as teachers in their first few years um, and teach in the outback. So it's a program that they deliver and it, it's worked. We've had some teachers, young teachers come back. That's amazing. What other initiatives have worked in the town to keep people here or get people to come out or um, I think stay? like we were talking before about our community involvement, there's lots to do here in Winton. I think lots of people when they rock up here and see how small we are are quite surprised at some of the programs that we do offer and we do run for kids, for adults, for the elderly. There's always something to do. We do cabaret stage shows. We do theatre, restaurants, um, there's lots of stuff to do. You don't have to travel away. We bring it here for you. So there's just really, we've had the opera with over 400 people. We set it up in the main street, big stage, and we had an opera one night um, with champagne and nibblies. It was the most cultural event that Witten's ever seen. It was the most um, attended um, community event we've had this year. It was awesome. What other programs do you run here in the Neighbourhood Centre? We run a gamut of stuff. Um, we do lots of community fun events. Um, we've done colour runs. We run a garden club from here that brings another demographic of people. We have a 60s and better group. There's a men's shed here um, that we support. Our whole economic and community development takes in the Walsing Matilda Centre and the library in our 60s and better who all deliver community programs as well. So we have a tech-savvy class that we run from the library once a week and off the back of COVID and to encourage that social connectedness, we've got all the oldies learning how to use the iPads. We're up to live streaming, I think, with our tech savvy class. So we've come a long way from yeah. signing in and, and signing into shops to live streaming their favourite TV shows now. So it's been pretty good. So we're always looking to upskill and there's always something to do in Winton. Um, at the moment, we're finding that we've got more than enough. There's lots of things going on in the town at the moment um, that appeals to everybody. It doesn't matter what your interests are. There's always something going on in Winton. So, um, I am a big believer in community economic development and I've sat on a lot of boards and advisory groups where economic infrastructure is the biggest um, key topic, especially around a table of men, 
when they want to talk about economic development and um, infrastructure and trying to drive the message that community economic development and building your community and strengthening your community is just as important as building the infrastructure over the top because if you don't have a strong community... That's right. Then it won't support the infrastructure or longevity of that. Do you agree in that? Um, Absolutely, definitely. We are looking at strategies at the moment, um, bringing different industries to Winton. Um, There's a project at the moment with a slaughterhouse out there with the butchers, just bringing our livestock back into the community and the, the production of that will be a great sign off the back of the monsoon flood, which took out probably 95% easy of the livestock that we had in town then. Um, so it's that was a wake-up call then that we can't just rely on tourism with COVID. Um, so it is. It is a conversation that we always have. We're looking for population growth. We have found that there's lots of people heading out our way that want to move out here to get out of those cities with COVID and um, – you can just see a new way of life sort of happening out this way with mm. people coming this way, yeah. Someone I interviewed yesterday said that there's um, 80 non-for-profit organisations here in Winton, which is just amazing. Definitely. And we've got um, – there's lots of people that wear different hats um, and are involved in all those different committees. Those people are so important um, for the livelihood and that social connectedness um, in this town. They're all important aspects and – important to people that are coming out looking for that lifestyle too. Probably more opportunity here in Winton that you do have in more cities. Um, it's very personable and very, yeah, social. Mm. What's next? Well, we, we're just sitting there this morning and we're creating our um, annual planning. We've got a great big calendar in Caroline's office there where it's just planning our where we want to head next year and our programming with all different service providers and social supports and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we are all working together as a community. We do have a great working group currently looking and seeking funds to build an aged care facility. We have an aged population in Winton and we hate to see them have to leave here to receive aged care um, they've been great contributors to our community, um, great leaders, and it's just sad to see and think that you have to leave the town you've been born and bred in to go and spend that last part of your life. So we're very passionate about getting Jessamine Place up and going. Where did the name come from? We've got a little creek out here called um, Jessamine. Um, so, yeah, we keep to our Matildas and our banjo and all that sort of stuff. So Jessamine Place is... Yeah, just fitting. We've got the Diamantina Gardens up there. That's the um, individual aged care facilities that we have up there at the moment. And then we've got an aged care wing of the hospital. So, yeah, it's very fitting and we hope to have that built up there as part of that complex. It's interesting I hear you talk about like what we can do and what I don't hear you saying what we're looking for in terms of what support and funding externally to state and federal governments or what more can you bring into the community. But you're talking as if what we're doing. Yeah, you a, a very strong and, and resilient in terms of user driving it yourself. and, and Definitely. We it. sit there and we write grant um, and submissions and we do all that sort of stuff, but we make do with what we have. We don't solely rely on anything um, that breaks that chain and that relationship that we have with the community. And I think that's really, really important that we do well with what we have um, and work with the resources and stuff that we do have in town and if one of those main focuses that homegrown 
speciality of, you know, using what we have here and building capacity within our little community of Winton. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.